there was a time when I was having this quiet time where I just felt, I all of a sudden felt God holding me and saying, you know, I just, I love you so much. And I had never experienced anything like that before. And so I think I have just simply that experience and then several others and sort of continually like the way I would describe the major impact it has had in my life is God showing his love to me and me being able to experience that and just feel it like I could feel something it wasn't it's not an intellectual you know it's not said it's, it's not you know looking at the words on the scripture page and saying you know God is love it was feeling it Welcome. 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 <laughs> Two top floor discussions. <laughs> nice. All right. Okay. Um, welcome back. We're This is episode nine of Top Floor Discussions, the fifth part, I think, to our series on the spiritual disciplines. And uh, the topic today is meditation. Um, there's a lot to cover here, so... But the general the general overview is meditation. And today in the studio, we have Drew Schumacher. He, uh, we know him from the West Lafayette Church. Um, but yeah, Drew, would you like to introduce yourself and say a few words? Sure. So uh, it's been a while since I've been on campus. Um, I graduated in 2014 from Purdue. And uh, probably about a year before that, got married to my wife, Taryn. And now we have three kids, um, three-and-a-half-year-old boy, uh, two-year-old girl, and like a three-month-old boy. So uh, yeah. we're in the, the thralls of yeah, full hands. Yeah, kids phase. Uh, I studied engineering and then uh, worked at a couple of different companies and have now been uh, at a company that I helped co-found for the last five years um, leading that company. So that's what I do professionally. And then sort of uh, outside of that, passion-wise, love music, uh, involved with the choir at church, uh, sing in small groups sometimes, um, play the violin occasionally. Um, Nice. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) uh, Yeah, music's a big part. Um, And then soccer. Music and soccer would be my, my two hobbies. So we probably already made a good impression with our barbershop intro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. So the way that we've been starting these episodes is we will start with kind of a definition uh, of what, whatever it is, whatever the discipline is that we're talking about. And then we'll go into some scriptural references and kind of dive into what it means in those contexts. So we each looked up some, some verses and yeah. Sounds so. good. Um, on Merriam-Webster, Simon, do you have that definition? Uh, I can have that definition. Merriam-Webster meditation. No, so no, 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 the one you took a picture of. Oh, duh. All right. So we were just like talking about what meditation is, and meditation is the act of meditating. Just kidding. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> what it said, though. That's, sorry, that is man. what it said. Then we clicked. Meditate. What meditate is, <laughs> and it means to contemplate. And then we were like, okay, that doesn't really help. So click contemplate, and contemplate means the concentration on spiritual things in private. That's what contemplate means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. spiritual definition of contemplate, which I I use contemplation differently than. Yeah, I well, use the second definition was more secular, and the one that we it was more like study. Uh, so we're more familiar with that. So I didn't even know there was a religious definition for uh, contemplate, but that's essentially mm. what meditation was. And I found it interesting that it used a word that associated privacy to it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. In private. Mm-hmm. That was the last piece. Yeah. 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 Have we done 
um, any other discipline so far where, well, I should say, I don't think we have done any other discipline so far where it's been kind of a, a private discipline. We were talking mm-hmm. with Nick on the last episode, and he said that there are three kind of aspects that we can key on, key in on in talking about spiritual disciplines, and that was, um, oh man, uh, like interpersonal, uh, communal, and then like just private or like yeah. by yourself. So they're kind of those three aspects where each of these in maybe meditation too i'm yeah i'm not sure if meditation plays into this as well but like reading the bible can be done by yourself it can be done between like, two others. people and then it can be done like as a church as yeah. as a um community even and, even fasting which i think innately seems rather individual because it's like your own hunger right like uh we looked into esther and she called all of the jews to fast together so even something that doesn't seem uh, like with other people, you can make it with other people. So we we sort of do have a tr- um, somewhat of a tradition. Maybe it's more prayer, but sometimes we will have uh, quiet time. You know, in uh, in the sanctuary when the minister goes up. Yeah. Like a lot of people are quiet mm. uh, praying, but some people may be meditating. That would be the only uh, example of uh, public or communal meditation that I can think of that we do mm-hmm. often or in our church. That kind of directs me to my first question, and that's what's the difference between prayer and meditation? Because I think a lot of what I think about prayer is, you know, you, you're, you can pray in your head or you can pray out loud, um, but you can't, you can't really meditate out loud. But it's a lot of thought going into both of these things. And, I mean, after doing some research, I kind of, distinguish the two but what would you say about that i was thinking about this and i think it's it can they can have some overlap they can i think they are distinct but i think they can certainly have overlap i think prayer is a conversation and i think meditation is thinking on something there is an object that you're focusing on you can almost think about it if you if you think about the analogous you know prayers like me Sitting and sitting in a room talking with my wife, like that type of relationship, or I could just be sitting in the room thinking about my wife or looking at her, and I would sort of think of that as more of a meditation. Yeah. Versus, um, and and there is a third thing that I don't know. I was thinking about. I, I often move between these when I do this myself. That may be distinct, which is just spending time in the presence of. Like if meditation is thinking with a focus on an object, prayer is conversing, I think there may be a third sort of somewhat distinct element, which is just being in the presence of. Sort of like me just sitting next to Taryn. I'm not necessarily thinking about her or talking to her, but we're in the same room, and there's something relational there still that happens. Yeah. Um, I think a key point that even going back to the definition part is that meditation i think requires an object like you can't you don't just meditate like by meditation alone like you meditate on something um i'm not sure if there are any exceptions to the the rule there but um and so even talking about we're talking about um in general christian meditation meditation on the scripture meditation on god's truth and his uh his will for our lives and there's also what comes to my mind a lot when you say meditation is kind of the secular idea of meditation. And I think um, what I associate associate with that a lot is kind of the finding your inner self and like digging into like your heart and like you have the spirit and a lot of it kind of, I feel can stray away from um, yeah, the, the Christian side and, definitely stray away from the Bible. And so, uh, yeah, I wanted to clarify that. And I didn't know if you had any thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I think there's, this is not the first term that's been appropriated by culture that we live in, you know, that has a biblical definition. Um, I'm sure we'll get into some of the verses, but like meditation is a 
it's in the Bible, you know, it's, it's a biblical concept, but it has connotations that I think if you just use the word, oh, I was meditating, if you were to say that today, people would have connotations that I think are not um, necessarily biblical connotations. Um, so it, I don't know if we will get into that directly, but it would be interesting to talk through maybe what are some things, I don't know, if to avoid um, or just that are maybe not the biblical definition of it. Yep. I have a question. Uh, so like with prayer, uh, that is something that you can do when kind of wherever, like you can do it in, in your own uh, solitude at home, but you can also do it when you're walking to class, well, for me as a student, or driving to work or something. Mm-hmm. So when do you find the times to meditate? Do you meditate after you read or like like with prayer, do you find instances throughout the day where you can meditate? I find it impossible to do this during the day. Um, okay. I know a lot of people who pray during the day, and I can even struggle with prayer throughout the day. So I, I think I'm, with how I'm wired, I, I just, I struggle to have uh, with task switching. So I, I get really heads down into something. So the only time that I realistically can get this in is after I read and pray, and then I do this phase of just quiet time. And that's where I was a, a little bit saying earlier, I'm not sure exactly if it's sometimes it becomes prayer, sometimes it becomes just spending time with the Father, sometimes it's meditating on an object, uh, of, you know, whether Jesus or something related to his truth or a concept in my life that I need to work on. Um, but I, I, that I can only have that quiet time in a very quiet space. Like basically it's either before the kids wake up at my house or in my car. <laughs> yeah. Those are the only so like, viable options. So like in a Bible study, for example, you have all these people focused on one scripture and they're all thinking about it, which is kind of meditation. And so that would, would that kind of be like the social side of meditation that we kind of alluded to earlier? Or do you think that's different than the personal? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I don't know if they're like semantically different or different by definition, but I do feel like their effects are very different. Okay. Like, so practically I think they're very different. Um, you know, a lot of us have been to uh, Bible studies and have thought about something. And I think what that can do in your life is very different than I, what I think individual meditation can do in your life. Hmm. I, I'm getting these thoughts about what meditation is even more now about how it's it's all like working inside your brain and your soul. And so I feel like there it can be overwhelming to think about that because it's, there's no formula for it. It's not the only effects you can see are if you, you know, really encounter something or have a peace of mind or you're trying you're trying to figure out like Drew you said people meditate to try and find out something about their selves or like their inner self or whatever. You think there's a chance that they are encountering the Holy Spirit even if they're not intending to and it's like it's the same spirit we encounter but it's just not with the intent of Are you talking about believers or are you talking about unbelievers too? Unbelievers because I think unbelievers that meditate want to not just live a surface level life like they acknowledge like that we must have a soul and they might not know where the soul comes from or like because it's not a scientific or they don't associate a religion to the soul they just acknowledge it's right like taking out religion from the equation but Mm -hmm. we know that it's it's a a spirit that's like (laughs) we can't really define it so do you think I feel like that's a really hard question that that gets into like what you know when people are trying to be spiritual and are not Christian what what are they actually interacting with that's yeah. like that's almost <laughs> that could be a whole uh a whole discussion that's in true. itself that's true um but I don't know where we're where where 
where were we going? I'm, I'm just saying like how how overwhelming can meditation oh, yeah. be, or can like it's very like you said you do it only at a certain time. Like it's not something you do casually. Like you need to really be in a, a certain mindset. mindset for it. Yeah, maybe if I could just give a brief like history in my life of my my experience with this. So that, it's pretty recent because I would say that generally growing up in the church and in a family that was Christian, you know, I learned the essential nature of reading your Bible, praying to God. And and and, and this idea of spending time with God was generally one of those two things. You you pray and read and and maybe you study scripture too. And Throughout the years, I've been a Christian now since 2010, and um, so a little over 10 years, I guess coming up on 14 years. And uh, early on, I would I really get into studying the Bible. I'm a pretty uh, analytical person, really like studying the Bible, and uh, that sort of had it had its phase. And but I I wasn't. Honestly, looking back, like what I've experienced in the last year, as far as having a relationship with God, I would say I was not taught how to have a relationship with God. I learned how to learn about God and talk to him via prayer. But some of the things that I've encountered this year, uh, I think that are sort of around this topic of meditation, have, have given me a whole new experience of the relational side of of God, um, and how I got, how I got into it this year was uh, with a friend. We went through this program. It's called Exodus ninety, um, and it was just um, the idea was like similar to the Israelites, like you know, uh, cleansing themselves out of, from the Egyptian gods, um, and then you know going out into the desert and going through the wilderness, and it was just. Uh, we were trying to, we wanted to seek God in a deeper way, and so we were stripping out some things out of our lives um, and following these sort of serious disciplines for a phase. And one of the disciplines was you had to spend an hour every day with God, and I didn't hit that perfectly, but it's reasonably close, and half an hour of that, if you had any less, you still had to spend half an hour in just utter silence thinking about Jesus. And um, what you said, the comment about overwhelming, like at first, like the difference between meditation and just having thoughts gurgle, bubble to the surface of your head is not much different. (laughs) You know, it was, it's something that feels very like, especially for me, I'm a pretty go-go person. And so when I would sit down and be quiet, all of a sudden, all these things would start coming up into my head. And so that was a whole I had to learn how to quiet my own mind as well. And then, but during some of those times, like I experienced God's love, like in a, in a way that I'd never experienced before. Um, and that's what really got me into, I, I, I am not doing the Exodus 90 thing anymore, but I still spend quiet time. When I have my Bible time in the mornings, like I spend quiet time trying to experience that relational part of God. And I don't, I'd say I maybe really experience it once a week, twice a week, um, and sort of sort of experience it a couple times a week. Like, it's not perfect, but it has yielded a lot of fruit in my life of just calming my soul. Yeah. So when you're talking there, part of the, uh, part of the reason that I kind of feel like I struggle with this discipline is because silence just sounds like that doesn't sound fun to me like silence and (laughs) sitting in my own thoughts and that just yeah I'd rather I mean I'm great with reading I love reading I love learning I love yeah gathering information but just sitting with that information like without anyone else uh, I think that's a struggle for me and this is something that we've said in pretty much all the episodes is these are things that we're learning and that I mean, there are disciplines. You you, uh, you kind of uh, train yourself or teach yourself to 
grow in these and um i guess i was kind of wondering if this is something where at this point sitting in your own thoughts is something that you like enjoy and just meditating in silence is something that you enjoy and was it like that earlier when you weren't um practicing meditation much at all i I would say it's actually largely still very unnatural um I should I should explain a little bit more. There was this one one time where I experienced it for the first time, um, and I, and actually, I don't do it in total silence um, all the time. Sometimes I will play um, uh, very calm music in the background. Helps me focus my brain, or in some ways unfocus my brain. Like it helps me get things out of my brain, and. Um, there was this one time, sort of the first time I had ever experienced what I would consider a relational experience with God, where you, you guys don't have kids yet, so maybe Sunday you'll experience what this is like, but there would be times in the morning where I was having my Bible time, and Bray would come out and, like, snuggle with me, and I would just hold him, and, like, there was this love that I would feel for him that was just a very a fatherly love, and holding me and saying, you know, I just, I love you so much. And I had never experienced anything like that before. And so I think I have just simply that experience and then several others and sort of continually like the way I would describe the major impact it has had in my life is God showing his love to me and me being able to experience that and just feel it. Like I could feel something it wasn't it's not an intellectual you know it's not set it's it's not you know looking at the words on the scripture page and saying you know god is love it was feeling it and i think you know if you had talked to if any of you guys you know uh, listen to any like neurobiologists like they've been talking a lot recently they're learning so much about neuroplasticity and how the brain can has an amazing incredible ability to literally rewire itself um, and that's how people he- heal, like, you know, that's how traumatic uh, brain injuries can be healed in many cases. It's how we can change and learn and grow. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes that maybe is what happening, is what is happening. It's like there's little, literal biological changes when you meditate on things that, you know, God could be healing your brain in some of the ways that it's literally rewired incorrectly. Um, so it's just helped me. I'm a very high stress person. Um, I feel a lot of stress. I feel a lot of responsibility. I always feel like I'm not, uh, doing enough or doing enough right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so th- this may be different. What, what people, the fruit that people get out of meditation or spending time with God and quiet may be different for different people. The fruit that has been for me and uh, primarily has been feeling God's love, which has helped me just have so much more peace. So you would, you would say meditation is the silence and solitude. Yeah. Like sil- silence, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, silence and solitude. And that, and that's, so it may, it may not be like in this meditation time. So maybe I'm hijacking this topic a little bit because <laughs> I, I, I'm not, there's a couple times where I do this, but it's, I'm rarely, okay, I want to think about, for example, the blood of Christ and how it washes away all my sins. And I'll just think about that concept. I'm, I'm not doing that as much. I'm more after what I read, if there's any sort of truths in that, I just, I just sort of try to sit in them. So so in some, some ways I may be thinking about something, but sometimes I also just let things bubble to the surface and all of a sudden I'll realize I have a certain emotion, either I'm angry or I'm stressed or fearful about something. And then I just, I feel God's presence and I, and I, I, I can deal with that emotion. I think in ways that are healthy ways to deal with the emotion. Um, when I have that experience with God, I can much more, I can much better in a, in a much better way, manage my anger. Like I, I have a sin issue with anger, um, which if you talk to 
psychologists, they would always say, they would say anger is not a primary emotion. It's an emotion about an emotion. And so there's usually something else going on. And I can be less angry much more easily when I engage in this practice with God. How do you think like journaling fits into this? Because that's also sitting by yourself, probably in quiet. Um, and But the only difference is you're writing out what you're thinking. Yeah, I've gone through a lot of phases of journals. This is this journal right here is actually probably, I don't know, my twentieth. So I've I've I've, and some of it's taking notes at talks. Like I, I take notes to help my brain stay focused. Yeah. Um. I have journal, so I've gone through. I, I don't journal as much intently right now. The the most I journal right now is that I'm I keep a log and a spreadsheet of like my emotions, mm-hmm. and then I I journal some just a couple brief notes like bullets but in the past how i would differentiate journaling is for me because i'm so analytical or maybe that's not the only reason but i would write stuff and i would i would sort of i would start feeling like this is so dumb i would start like thinking about it almost like i'm writing a biography or something it it became it wasn't a relation it wasn't a a, an experience with God, you know, sure. it, it, I, I found it a very helpful tool to clarify what I'm thinking. Like if I don't know what I'm thinking about something, journaling is amazing tool for that. But I didn't find it drawing me into a relationship with God. But yeah. I think it's critical tool for just learning in general, or like, for example, if you're angry and you don't know why journaling could be a great way to f- find why and, and then you could process that with God. It, I just would tend to, it was just me and the paper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely can relate to that. Um, so something that, uh, yeah, so this concept has been kind of floating in my brain for a bit. And I shared this, what I'm about to share with Simon and Winston before we recorded and they didn't connect with it so much. So I'm going to try to reword it slightly better. And, uh, but so I'm a C.S. Lewis nut, so Drew, I, I, I would take a little step back. Okay, that. sorry. Um, yeah, I, um, and so I was, I was kind of looking into, did C.S. Lewis write much about meditation? And I found this essay that he wrote um, called Meditation in a Tool Shed. And I won't read the whole thing because there's a lot of words and it can get wordy. But the summary is, is that he's standing in this tool shed and he can see it's a dark and he can see this beam of light coming through um, like a crack in the window. And so he's off to the side of the beam of light and he sees the beam of light. He recognizes it. And then he moves to step into the beam of light and look out the window. And when he does that, he can see so much. He can see the sun and the trees outside. And he was relating that to the concept of seeing the Bible and recognizing the truth and then meditating on it and stepping into it. And then by that meditation, you can see, see so much more when you're taking that and writing it in your heart and applying it to your life. And so I really liked that um, imagery. I want to make sure I got the imagery. So he was in a dark shed, so it was dark. Yeah. And then a light came in and he looked into that light, which presumably was somewhat blinding. And then he looked outside of the shed and then he saw everything. Right. Yeah, so uh, the kind of the big bigger point is the difference between looking at light, so being away from the light and just seeing the light come in and it kind of leaves that spot on the ground where it's okay. lit up and then stepping into that light. And then when you step into that light, you can see so much more. You can look out the window and see so much more. Okay. And so that, that was the uh, distinguishment that he made, which for me that connected, which – yeah, but for someone who's read a lot of C.S. Lewis, it might it might connect more. But I don't know. I yeah, I think there. I can. I think that that is that describes in some ways the impact. I think meditation can have. I think. I think uh, meditation can also feel like wrestling. Sure. Um. And maybe this is just quiet time in general. But like, sometimes I can feel, 
like I I got to that point in the in in the morning with God where I was like, okay, I feel His peace in five minutes, and sometimes it's like thirty minutes, which is my whole drive to work, and it's like mm, didn't quite get there, yeah. <laughs> and then then and then sometimes I'll you know I'll walk another cu- uh, five minutes uh, in the parking lot, or sometimes I just I, I get on with my day, um, but I feel like there is that truth like where the the process itself is a little you know hard and and murky but it seems to give me a peace that is is more unshakable throughout the day yeah i think i have kind of pieced together in my brain the difference between secular meditation like without intending to meditate for God and then meditating for God. And I think like you using the word peace, meditating, um, can like, we realize through meditation, we have all these thoughts that are kind of bombarding us almost. And if you meditate with God, you can realize like, okay, I believe God is real and I believe the word is real. And so this quote I saw in like a YouTube video that I watched to like help me understand was, allow the truth of his word to silence the questions that bombard you. And so like, if you believe, if you're a believer and you're meditating, even with all these thoughts, you can have faith that like, you can be at peace because you know the truth of God's word. And um, there's a lot of truth, so I won't say what the truth of God's word is, but we know what it is. And um, Then if you're not a believer, then you, you meditate and you're, getting bombarded with all these thoughts. Um, but I don't know where you would get your peace from in that way. Like, where would you, where would you be like, okay, I meditated and I made progress because I was able to sort through my thoughts. Like, where would you, I don't know that. That's just what I, yeah. I'm in the, I've read about this a little bit. The, the cultural or, um, sort of normal secular definition of practice of meditation is is mostly about sort of finding that um basically realizing the difference between stimuli and response um and finding the space in between and sort of finding a centeredness so that you don't react to every stimuli in in a way that you don't want to mm-hmm. so it, they're they're honestly pursuing a similar goal a similar net effect, which is peace in some way. Um, but I think that uh, as a, a believer in Jesus, we can have a more unshakable peace. Um, th- th- what you said, Simon, about uh, th- what you heard in that YouTube video, uh, th- this is one of, I think this talks about this this way in Colossians as well, but in Philippians, this is Philippians 4. Um Verse 7, and it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Like that, that is like probably one of my life verses because if I don't have the peace of God, I'm I'm hosed for the day. Yeah. I, I was just about to share the same verse. And then <laughs> at, I was going to add on verse 8 too, where it says, Finally, uh, brothers, whatever is true whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Um, And kind of that last phrase made me think of the concept of meditation, think about these things. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that's what it's getting at, but I think we are to meditate on what is honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable. Um, And... Yeah, that, that's a verse that kind of stuck out to me. This just made me think of something, too. If you read this whole sequence of verses, if you if you go back before it, it says, um, Rejoice in the Lord always. And then it talks about some other stuff. And it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, mm-hmm. let your requests be made known to God. And oh. I, th- I, I don't know if you can separate out these individual spiritual practices in some sense. Mm, In some sense, it's like a sandwich that you have to eat the whole thing. Like 
I think you have to have the word of God that can penetrate your heart and show, like, you know, divide truth from not truth and show you where there is sin in your heart and in your life, or maybe where you're despairing and you need encouragement like that. You have to have the truth aspect. You have to be asking for the Holy Spirit to help you hear and listen and understand that truth. You then have to take your concerns and all these, all this stuff that we carry around that we get hit with to God, which is what it's talking about. And, you know, you can think about those truths and, uh, and then it talks about the peace of God being outcome. It doesn't explicitly state be in the presence of God. Um, but I think that's another part of this. So I, I think it's the whole combination that leads to a, a really transformative type of quiet time. In some of my research, I heard this guy say that if you don't have a strong reading in prayer life, don't try the other more obscure spiritual disciplines like like fasting and journaling and all this stuff because you're just not going to get as much from it if you're not strong in the two mm. biggest spiritual disciplines. And so to your point, like when you get to meditation and when you get to these other disciplines, it is a sandwich because you need prayer and and reading as a base, as a foundation. Yeah, because I firmly, I, um, here's the dangerous thing about meditation without it. Uh, in Proverbs, it talks about how the human heart is deceitful above all things. And if you don't have the truth to ground your meditation, uh, then you can just like be meditating on untruths and and literally oh. and literally wiring your brain to be more negatively more negatively more in a sense of despair i mean and, and i would say in the, this is in some cases like what i as a as a person who struggles to have peace who struggles with a lot of stress i can struggle with this like i would i would actually say i unconsciously meditate sometimes in a way that is negative in a way that brings despair you know, often it's on the way home from work <laughs> once the day has happened or, you know, when I'm sitting at home in the evening and like as I'm, you know, if I'm not parsing through those thoughts and, you know, managing them and, and then comparing them to truth, it can be negative. And I think that's I think that's one of the the dangers of uh, just our hearts. Yep. But in this case, meditation. So you said that you med do you meditate on your way to work? Like, um, uh, sometimes it, it depends. I work from home maybe one or two days a week. Um, but I usually, I've, I found that it's difficult for me to read the Bible while on the drive. So I usually do that at home and then, um, just to save time. Yeah. I'll usually meditate. I'll usually pray and meditate on the way to work. Okay. And then, okay. Cause I was just going to ask like, if you wake up and then you meditate, I think I would probably fall asleep. Like my eyes are still like heavy. And Not stuff. if you've worked out first. <laughs> yeah. I've done that a few times. Yeah. Fall back asleep while I'm trying to like pray. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. Uh, all the time. Now I, I've, um, part of the, one of the other practices that has helped me wake up is, is working out. And that's, that's something that I've incorporated this year. And, um, yeah, especially when it's dark out these days over the winter. The Midwest, it's, it's really hard to wake up. It's yeah. not a spiritual discipline. It's just a discipline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good one, though. Mm -hmm. um, I'm glad you don't read while you're driving. <laughs> That's good. Um, I was going to say meditation, I can like split up into like thinking about the source of my thoughts, which is I feel like my what I've been talking about, my overarching view of meditation is that it's overwhelming for me. And that's why I struggle with it. O overwhelming in what sense? Can you elaborate? Because if you're thinking of the source of your thoughts, you're thinking of something super conceptual and it's very large in scale where like you can, you can shrink yourself very small and I mean, that, that's good because you're in comparison to God, but in terms of helping, like, do you, I know that meditation has a, 
benefit to mental health, but it can also have a not so benefit to mental health. So what do you think about about that? About like self-esteem and like thinking about your place and meditating on just like, I don't know. I talk, I talked to you, Winston, about this, but yeah, that was in the context I referenced Ecclesiastes because I was like, it's so encouraging that I'm like nothing and God is everything. And like, that's all that matters. Mm. So whether you do good or bad, it ultimately just praise God and you'll be good. And Simon was like, isn't it kind of like demoralizing that you're like, I'm nothing. Yeah. But I think uh, that on its own is, but when you think about it on the scale, like you are nothing, but then God still loves you. I think, I don't know. I find it encouraging. And Simon was like, uh, so. Well, I, I would just, I would distinct that. And, and maybe we'd have to pull up some scriptures to, to really get into that. But I think that, uh, we are fundamentally corrupt and worth nothing, but because God makes us his children, he ascribes value to us. So I would, I would not say that we're nothing. I would say we're very, we're completely incapable and we are, uh, worth very, uh, less or worth very little um, before he ascribes value to us. But I think there is lots of, there's a tremendous amount of value that God sees yep. in us. Mm-hmm. Um, and us is every person. Every person, yeah. You just have to realize his ascribed value by realizing that Jesus died for us. Yeah, it, it's it's like, um, yeah, he, he's, well, yeah, he's 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 ready to give everyone that. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to accept it. But yes, he desires that of everyone. Yeah. Right. So I, mean, I think I I think I knew that in my head, but I didn't elaborate it uh, in our conversation. Yeah. The context was in your head. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's helpful. But anyway, the source of my thoughts could be me, my desires, God's desires or Satan's desires. And you said, like, it, sometimes you can meditate on something that's not of God or it could mm-hmm. be your own thoughts or whatever but i think in a similar way i think because it's more foreign to us it feels more foreign but i think we can do the same in prayer and in reading the bible um so for example if i read scripture i can totally do whatever i want in my brain as i'm reading that like i can i can I can come to scripture with a true desire and perspective of like, what is the scripture saying? Or I could, I could be reading through filtered glasses. Mm -hmm. Similarly with prayer, you know, in prayer I could be, you know, sort of, it talks about this in the new Testament, several places. Like I could be trying to pray in the will of God, or I could just be trying to get what I want. And so I don't know if, Meditation is uniquely corruptible um, because I think the others are as well. Um, But I think around it being overwhelming, um, I think it's just something to practice like any discipline. And for example, the way I started it was the – you know, the assignment, if you will, is just think of Jesus for, for 30 minutes, nothing else. Like, so just get everything else out of your brain and just keep thinking about Jesus, not necessarily a specific aspect. And I think that in and of itself, if you just, if you wanted to start somewhere simple, like, can you just keep your mind concentrated on Jesus for 30 seconds and quiet? And, and then you could start, you know, experimenting with other things um like what i quickly moved into is okay there's all these emotions flooding to the top and i can either just try to un like get them out of my focus or i can take them to god and bring them to god so sometimes during this quiet time i will in my head mentally say words to god you know 
if something comes up, I'll, you know, if I'm just really frustrated about a situation or I think something's unfair, I'll, I'll in my head be like, oh, that's so, that's so unfair. Just like I'm talking to God. And then I'll be go, go to quiet again. Um, it's messy is my point. In your experience, have you um, experienced meditation as a two-way conversation or more just uh, thoughts and yeah, meditations on God and the Bible? I often hear about um, God's voice or God, yeah, God really speaking back through meditation. And I thought of kind of that, um, the still small voice, like in when Elijah was um, on the mountain. Um, and I mean, there, there are plenty of other examples, but in your experience, is that something where it's been a two-way street or two-way conversation? I do not think, I may not be aware, but I don't think God has ever spoken to me. Um, I believe that he has guided me through his Holy Spirit numerous and countless times. I absolutely believe that. And I have, and I, and I feel that to some level too. I've never heard God say anything. Um, Hmm. I would say that what I have experienced is I've felt God's presence. Right. And that's, that's, that's sort of the, that was that first story I shared. Um, so yeah, I don't, I haven't felt it much outside of that and I don't feel it in it either. Yeah. As far as the still small right. voice. Yeah. That, that's I, I, to, to be fair, I am always skeptical of people who say they do, right. uh, because it's like, okay, w- w- was it your voice? Was it sure God's voice? Yeah. I, I'm, I may be too skeptical. Yeah, I think it is easy to get those kind of <sighs> conflated, um, no, yeah, I, I kind of had the same thoughts. Like, I've definitely felt God's presence in my life, and I've felt his um, guidance at times. And, um, but, yeah, I, I've I've never, like, heard his voice, but that's something that I've definitely heard from other people. Yeah. So that is, like, uh, kind of ruminating. Um, you talked about going into meditation, like thinking, like trying to think about something, right? Uh, but then also... With like an object of what you're thinking about? Yeah. Uh, but then also like you're getting something from meditation. So do you think it's more so that you should go into meditation with a certain mindset or you should go into meditation aiming to receive a mindset? Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I almost, I'm, I'm almost sort of um, converting that question into what is, what should be the goal okay. of meditation? Is that a fair sure. interpretation? Um, th- this is where I go back to just the fundamental. I, I think the goal for me is to experience Jesus and experience my heavenly father. And I don't have much other, I don't have many other goals than that. I mean, I, I desire then the byproduct of that, which is peace. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, it's a pretty high level goal. Okay. At least for me. So it's about the encounter, um, that you have with the Holy spirit. I think so. Yeah. Um, especially in a, especially when I and again this is maybe maybe this is where it's slightly different for people who are different. Uh, like my w- wife it's very easy for her to pray throughout the day. It's it's very hard for me to do that. So she's maybe feeling relational parts of God throughout the day. I'm not like that. So I really need to experience God in relationship at some point. It's unnatural for me. With fasting, we talked about like fasting for a specific purpose and so while i do think fasting should be some something that's uh routine or (laughs) you don't want it to be routine but you should do it somewhat regularly uh it sounds 
more like you're on the side of meditation should be regular rather than meditating for something. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. I, I think it is. Yeah. And, and again, maybe meditation is the wrong word. Um, but yeah, I've just experienced so much, uh, spiritual transformation in my heart. Um, from it that yeah i think it's i think it's important and 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 so you could say well where does it say to do this in the bible Um, that's a good question um i there's obviously verses in psalms that talk about meditate on my law day and night um you you could say well god is the word so if you're if it's saying meditate on the word it's it could be simultaneously saying meditate on god himself yeah um just glancing through my bible here to see if there's does it do you think there's a wrong way to pr- uh meditate cuz i think we've kind of established that there's a lot of right ways to go about it yeah like nick was just saying with the reading episode that you know you can uh what did he say he, he said he, it's he, unacceptable to read when you're not going to not Let's take anything from it. Right. Or like just no, just read, reading to check the box. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think there's any, like, ways to meditate? Like, because I think part of the reason why we're going through these disciplines is that, like, we're trying to understand how you actually go about doing them. And I know that if you're doing them with God's grace, it'll be benefit. Like, you'll get the benefits from yeah. it. But like is there a wrong way to do it Mm. for me like with with bible reading it can definitely be a check the box type of thing but i think with meditation it's quite honestly it's too big of a like pain in my day to like set aside just time to do nothing um i i don't think i would have a check the box issue so in that way like could it be wrong because i'm doing this only out of this intention to get closer with god well, that's not a bad intention at all. Yeah. <laughs> and I, actually, I did find I I did find a verse that it, you could say describes well what I'm the essence of what I'm trying to think of. And then I'll circle around to your question, Simon. James four eight says, uh, "Draw draw near to God, and He will draw near to you." Mm-hmm. And um, that that I think captures this idea for me um there, there's another verse in psalm 46 be still and know that i am god that, that that's another of sort of what captures the essence of what i've been experiencing um sort of this stillness and drawing closer to um the father and and then there's also romans 12 which is uh renew your mind speaks to that sort of rewiring aspect if you, you know if you were letting god heal us um, and then, Ooh, this is a really good one. We talk about, you know, the, the most important commandments, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That, that I think speaks to this too, because you can't do that. You can't do all of those aspects of your body by just, you know, reading, for example, or just living rightly. Like, I think that takes some, some deep intentionality. Um, lastly, there's some great verses. I just did a quick Google search, so I'm cheating. We needed some Bible in this one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm cheating here, but, but John 15, the whole abiding in me, like abide in me, um, you know, remain in me and I will remain in you. You know, you, you, without me, you can do nothing. Those verses, that's those to me, all of those things are, I think, really good. Uh, capturing of of what this is about so to circle to circle back to your question Simon is there a way not to do it um I think a couple things come to mind one is similar to prayer like you know the disciples specifically asked like or Jesus I don't know if they asked but Jesus said you know don't repeat me you know meaningless sort of repetitions like the Gentiles do right he says just talk to the father 
And um, but then he also in other places teach says you know hey pray like this and so he maybe there's some good patterns, um, but I I think if you're concerned about doing it, you know some exact way I think you can you'll get sti- it'll just stifle it. Mm. But I think also the thing to avoid would just be if Jesus isn't at the center of it, and and I would say like in general with any activity in the Christian life, you, you could you could say like, can Jesus be at the center of this? I think that could be a good way to f- filter. Um, is it on track, if you will? Right. I like that because Jesus is not meant to be restricting. And so saying that there's a set like way to not do it. Like if we know that Jesus is not restricting, then mm-hmm. we don't have to worry about doing it right or wrong and get legalistic with it. Yeah. it's good. Uh, and again, as long as we are pursuing Jesus, you know, if we were like trying to just pursue like um, just some like mental ascent and, or, you know, maybe even if we're, um, you know, tr- trying some specific, I'll, I'll call it, you know, my- <laughs> mystical practices that, you know, s- secular people would do around meditation. Um, that gets into some complex topics, but the point is, I think it's very important to have Jesus at the center of any spiritual activity you do because there is a spiritual reality. There are dark forces like Jesus talks about this. And if you're not keeping Jesus at the center of any spiritual activity, things can go wrong, I think. Yeah. Uh, how long have you been meditating for? Oh, so you said since Exodus Historically? Yeah. yeah. So this year, 2023. Okay. Basically, since March. And it like right now, it is, it is my goal to have... 15 minutes of this just this quiet portion Mm -hmm. do you think as a beginner like just dive in for the full 15 or uh try five at first or i I would put it in sort of in proportion to what your other things are so if you're if you're reading let's say you you read for five minutes and maybe you pray for five minutes. Maybe you try to have quiet time for five minutes. Okay. Something right. like that, you know. That's what I would that's where I would start. That's sort of what I do, roughly. Okay. Yeah. And then uh would you mind sharing a little more on Exodus nine fifty? Or wait. Exodus ninety? Yeah, ninety. It was a that's what it was. It was a ninety day program of like stripping um a lot of things that pleasures that may have become vices in your life and idols in your life out and focusing on Jesus. So for example, it was, and and you only had, and you had, so there was a list of like 20 things you couldn't do. And on Sundays you could, you know, celebrate, uh, and you know, have, uh, one of them back, but it was like no alcohol, no entertainment, no social media, um, cold showers, um, exercise. It was a, it was a, holy crap. It was pretty intense. Yeah. Do you think there's any merit to the idea of just doing that all the time? Or do you think at a certain point it wears you down? I think it would be very unsustainable to do all the, all the time. And I think that God, uh, Jesus has given us so many wonderful things in the world to enjoy rightly. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the occasional act, this is similar to, it's similar to the idea of fasting. So fasting was also part of it. Yeah. There was some fasting on certain days. And I think the idea of fasting is, is no different. It's, it's uh, pulling out something that maybe has gotten too important or that we rely on in some way. Um, and instead focusing the energy back to Jesus. Okay. Right. If you just fasted, you can fast medically, right, to mm-hmm. to improve your health. Yep. Um, and just skip the meal. Um, but to to make it a spiritual fast, I think you have to replace that time and energy and dependence on whatever the object of it yeah, is exactly. that you're removing it. 
and instead place it on Jesus. Like mm-hmm. fasting, we use fasting to apply to food mainly, but you can fast from anything. Yeah. And it was just largely a, basically a giant fast from a bunch of different things. Um, if you don't mind me turning around the interview a little bit, or not interview, the discussion, I have a question for you, Winston. Um, <laughs> so you've brought up like a few times while we're doing the series about just the practical benefits of doing these things mm-hmm. and how, for example, fasting, it doesn't just have spiritual benefits. Like it can have physical. Yeah. Like, God prat- gives us the benefits of fasting still, even if we don't do it in his name. Right. And so like applying that to this, like how would you see the uh, practical, like physical or I, I guess less so physical, but maybe mental, emotional benefits applied when we think about meditating? You're saying, like, from a secular standpoint? What are the non-spiritual benefits? Right. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. I would just say, I mean, <laughs> why do I know? But I would <laughs> I would say just clearing of your mind, right? Um, there's a lot of stress. And I think Drew um, talked on it a little bit in the fact that you're kind of letting go of this stress. And um, I think the only difference between the spiritual side and the non-spiritual side is one you're letting go of these emotions and then on the on the spiritual side you're letting go and like kind of in replacement of like embracing mm. god right is that does that sound good yeah I, I think in a world where we're also another just very sort of core benefit practically um we are just bombarded with an intense amount of information and stimuli yeah and it's one of the few times I mean, just think about it other than sleeping where you are not taking in anything. Yeah. Your shower is just about the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> your shower. Yeah. 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 I actually sing in the shower. So, <laughs> um, no, I looked up like the benefits of silence because I saw the other day, like it was just a video on social media and it was like a quiet, like beautiful, like earth video uh-huh. about just like, tranquility and all this so like what can silence do for us because like there's people in the comment section saying like we need more silence because there's so much going on all the time and so like the benefits of it i just looked up quick reduces stress enhances creativity um but the one that stood out to me was it ups your concentration and like you learn patience because you're not you're in silence so you're learning patience and like while we meditate we wait for god's presence kind of so Mm -hmm. what do you i I don't even know if i have a question (laughs) from that but yeah that's just that's interesting i I agree with that i mean it i think it's very makes very reasonable sense that um especially when we're getting bombarded i mean they've shown that for example when you when you you know, we have these phones in front of us. Like if you swipe down so you can see your notifications, your brain gets lit up with dopamine because your brain is like, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm about to get notified. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so uh, the fact that you're, you know, and then in the similar, and some of that, you know, your brain also in the presence of people, right? Socially, it lights up like, not all, not all of that. That's not all inherently bad. The point is, uh, well, our phones may be short-circuiting some of the d- circuitry by design, um, but meditation is then ridding yourself of some of those drugs in a way. I mean, we're, there's literally social media addiction or entertainment addiction and um, – so yeah, it makes total sense to me. Have you ever read The Ruthless Un- Elimination of Hurry? I haven't. I've heard of it. One okay. of my friends read it. One of the four sections is on silence and solitude. Mm. So I've heard a little bit, and I, I did. I, I tried it a little bit, I think. Uh, but that was oh, just about a year ago, like exactly. Um, and it didn't last that long. Yeah. Um, so I certainly learned a lot today. Um, yeah, I kind of came into this and like, I don't even know what questions to ask really. Um, cause 
this meditation is so unfamiliar to me, but it definitely provided good in, insight. Agreed. And I appreciate you coming on for an hour. Um, and anyone that's listening for an hour, like Thank let you. us, let us, yeah, let us know if you like an hour or 40 minutes, but yeah. I think, I think we got into some, some meat of this conversation, but it's obviously just, you can talk about this stuff for forever yeah. because there's just so much to it. Can, do you mind if I share one more thing? Yeah. I think if, if I was is talking to people who are listening and, and sort of making the pitch for why this matters and just sort of re-encapsulating that. I, I, and I also simplified it and sort of de, like I feel like meditation maybe is a trigger word to some, like, oh, that sounds scary. Um, I would just say like, it is, we, we are such sinful human beings and even if we're living in a way that externally looks good to other people, we are still such sinful human beings and God wants to heal us. And one of the most important ways that I think he seeks to heal us is by being in his presence. And so I would just encourage us to, to do that. Um, because I think it's, it's that important for, for our own, for our healing. So, yeah. Sure. All right. Shall we do an outro? <clears throat> yep. Goodbye. 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 See you in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Thanks, guys. Yep. Yeah.